3: Welcome in the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network, also on Dash Radio. Download the free Dash Radio app. Go to the Nothing But Net channel. Just gotta search for it, and we're on every day 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern and 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. Pacific. Also, check out You Again, spell it out: F-I-V-E ReasonsSports.com. All the latest recaps, and they are the latest. They come out like two minutes after the game ends. From Brady Hawk. Also, we've got. Uh, Columns on there. We've got, of course, Tua um, and the Dolphins are getting back at it. Going to play in two weeks from today. Today, actually. So make sure you check out Five Reasons Sports for all of the Dolphin coverage, Canes coverage, Marlins, Panthers, and everything else going on in South Florida sports. Also, check out the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. One of them is the Gonzalez and Tybor Law Firm bankruptcyisgoodforyou.com. A recent report showed that over 45% of people used their stimulus checks to repay debt. This is money that could have and should have gone to cover living expenses even before the pandemic. Household debt in this country, especially credit card debt, was going up and it was hurting families and small businesses. Nobody likes to consider bankruptcy as an option for dealing with that debt But bankruptcy is one of the few laws that exists to actually help consumers. So before you make another debt payment that you can't afford or do something drastic like empty out your 401k or borrow money from friends and family, you got to pay back. Why don't you talk to a professional about your options? Again, it's Gonzalez and Tibor. Bankruptcyisgoodforyou.com. Another of our local sponsors, 954-378-8184, 954-378-8184. Eight, four. And now, today's episode.
4: Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alvon Sydney, a.k.a. Al 954 brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network.
3: All right, Ethan Skolnick back on Five on the Floor. Here's today's floor plan. I've got Alex Toledo. I've got Greg Sylvander. Of course, we're going to have the streams um, before games, after games. Alphonse Sidney is going to host the post-game streams. We'll have post-game pods for five on the floor and episodes for Dash Radio. So, again, I've got Alex. I've got Greg. I've also got a guest today because – We've been talking so much heat bucks now. I feel like for the past six months that I don't really know if we have anything else to say, although I'm sure we'll come up with something. Um, so we're bringing in Ty Windish. He covers the bucks. He does a bucks podcast um, for blue wires, pod blue wire pods. Um, it's called the gyro step pod, which of course covers all things bucks. Obviously we know why it would be gyro step. Did you pronounce that right? What's that? Isn't it pronounced differently? Okay. Let's do that. Okay. Cause I don't I don't know much Greek, okay and I'm not a big fan of Greek food, although I, I have had a gy- isn't it gyro time? It's a it
5: Euro like- step. So
6: people go back and forth on the food pronunciation and I am, I am not Greek. I do not stand in here as a, an expert on the Greek language or on Greek food, although I do enjoy the food item that I call a euro and to make the, the name work better for you know half food, half Greek, half Giannis' signature move. We do call it the Euro step, but I have no issue with people calling it the gyro step. I just think Euro step works better with the, the name pun of the basketball move, but we get both. And as long as people are downloading, subscribing, rating, reviewing, listening, all the good stuff, like you should also do for this podcast. Honestly, you can call it whatever you want.
3: Yeah, exactly. That's how we feel here too. I mean, five on the floor, I've had people come up to me and say, but you only had, well, for a while it was two of us or three of us. And then. Uh, Greg joined and it was four of us and someone came up to me last week and said, I I still don't understand why it's five on the floor. I'm like, well, that's because how many play on the court for a team at a time. He's like, but you never have five. I'm like, okay, but we're still five on the floor. Anyway, Ty, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Want to get right to this, the national perception that the heat are a bad matchup for the bucks. Do you agree with that after watching this bucks team up close?
6: Yeah, I do agree with that. I think, I do think people get a little carried away, and I'm sure we'll get into it. I don't think it's a nightmare matchup for the Bucs. I don't think it's – like, I don't expect the Bucs to lose the series. I guess we can – I'll say that up front. I'm sure that was going to come. Hopefully I don't spoil all the, the questions and talking points right away. But um, I, I do think they're a bad matchup. I mean, the Bucs, we all know, give up a lot of threes. Um, I, I think only the Raptors give up more in the corner, and I think Bucks and Raptors are close, and, and threes given up overall – and one of the things that stands out to me about this Miami team is the ball movement is terrific. Everybody seems to know where everybody is and outside of Bam out of bio and maybe Jimmy Butler, I guess, maybe now he's a shooter again in the playoffs. We'll see. Um, but they have a lot of shooters obviously on the team. And so any team that moves the ball really, really well and can penetrate and drive and kick with Kelly Olenek, obviously stretching out Brooke Lopez is is one of the better things to do against him. So I don't I don't think they're a good matchup. I agree that they are a bad matchup for the Bucs, the way the Bucs like to play.
7: What's up, Ty? Greg Sylvander here. Um, I'm interested to hear your perspective on Milwaukee and the way that they're going to use their bigs. Uh, I, you know, I have kind of an inclination that they may size down and put Giannis at the five and play, you know, as many shooters as possible. Do you, How viable do you think that is going into this series against Miami?
6: I think it's viable. I, I don't think they're going to – Brooke Lopez will play. Uh, They're going to find ways for Brooke Lopez to play. I don't think Robin Lopez is really going to see the floor at all. He didn't even really play against Orlando, who when Vucevic isn't playing, they do have more of a traditional big. So when I saw that, I went, okay, so Robin Lopez is probably just injury and foul trouble insurance at this point. Like he's a break glass in case of emergency guy, if they need more minutes from a center, which is unfortunate. because I think he's a good player, but the the Giannis at the five look is something the Bucks have gone to a lot more recently, and I think you look at their – their really their only midseason move was waving Dragon Bender, who the, – the org likes Dragon Bender. I think he is, like, maybe a, a cheap long shot replacement at being the next Brook Lopez, you know, a stretch five who can play a drop on defense. They liked him. They didn't want to get rid of him, but adding Marvin Williams opens up a lot more of Giannis at the five because he's a really good option at the four next to Giannis, who – He's still a terrific rebounder, but he can also guard the perimeter. So he's a very nice piece for them. That was a great buyout acquisition for the Bucks. So you're going to see it. You won't see 48 minutes. I mean, obviously Giannis won't play 48 minutes. Um, I think a lot of Bucks fans are worried he might play closer to 30 than 48 minutes. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I think he's going to play more than he did against Orlando, but we won't see you know solely Giannis at the five or solely small ball. But I, okay. I imagine we will see either Brook Lopez at the five or Giannis at the five. And and it'll be interesting to see how much the heat can force Milwaukee away from Brooke. Because Brooke is good. Like, Brooke Lopez is very good. And that's going to be one of the interesting battles to me in this series is can they make him too
5: uncomfortable to thrive? See, uh, Ty, it's interesting that you say that because we've kind of talked about that, that uh, one really easy adjustment they can make is going to more minutes at Giannis at the five. And like you said, they, 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 they're known to do that more during the playoff stretch. And they've already started doing that versus the Magic, like you said. And I think it's interesting because that kind of matches uh, up in favor now with the way that the Heat starting lineup looks now as compared to how it used to before with Myers Leonard, who was basically the Heat's equivalent of what you just described with Robin Lopez, where he's kind of breaking case of emergency. But the point I was going to make here is that both of those lineups are going to be more perimeter-oriented than they were before. Both rotations will be more perimeter-oriented than they were during the season. And I assume that means there will be more switching For those uh, Giannis at the five lineups, have you seen more or less switching so far during the first round? Because we know that Budenholzer has the reputation of being someone that's kind of uh, not very malleable with defensive (laughs) game plan. So uh, where do you see that? And and I I think that would be an option for them that would honestly uh, – it would give the Heat a lot of problems if they started switching everything.
6: Yeah, I, I hope we're going to see it more. And I think you were very generous to Mike Budenholzer with your description of him there. I think on the off chance that Bud is listening, I think he'll appreciate that because a lot of us who cover the Bucks on a, on a nightly basis have not been so generous when talking about his uh, willingness to be malleable on defense. But we, we have seen some more switching. I think where it gets tough, and I think they get a little confused, is when Brooke is at the five and they try to – you know play a more traditional switch but maybe not switch brook defense they just haven't done it a lot you can see they get a little confused so they went to that late in the awful game one against orlando which must have been like the best game ever for you guys watching um but and they, they started giving up easy buckets like terrence ross was cutting to the rim and nobody knew like nobody realized to go with him they weren't used to doing that i think when Giannis is at the five that's a much easier thing for them to do because i mean you can't seamlessly switch everything like you don't want Eric Bledsoe on Bam Adebayo even if Eric Bledsoe is a great defender it's still a bit of a mismatch but you can switch just about anything and really the, the 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 engine of Milwaukee's defense the the thing that makes it all work is they're gonna mess up sometimes like the way they play defense they'll mess up um they'll they'll maybe swing a rotation a little bit late but when the guy who's swinging over late is Giannis who's like like nobody has this combination of length size speed athleticism etc etc it covers up a lot right like it's it's like the ultimate cheat code so i think their their philosophy is really just like take away the best possible shots don't don't let anybody get to the rim we'll give up some shots we'll have guys like Giannis contesting some shots which just doesn't make it easy on on the offensive player um, but i think we will see more switching especially with Giannis at the five which again It'll be interesting to see exactly how much of that we get. I think a pretty good amount against this Heat team, especially when Bam Adebayo is the only big out there uh, for Miami. And I think we will see it some more with a little bit of an inclination of trying to keep one guy in a sort of drop. Even if it's Giannis, they do that sometimes. But I think we'll see more. The, the, the Bucks get really instinctual and start to just rotate around naturally when possessions break down. And I think we'll see a lot of that, and that's basically switching.
3: I want to switch to the other side uh, with you for a second here, but before I do, I, just another kind of general question. You know, I, I had this theory that I know the guys on this pod are sick of hearing about how I thought that the break the, – the, well, a lot of theories you're sick of hearing, but this particular one, that the break, the COVID break, benefited certain teams a lot, and the one team in the league it probably did not benefit was Milwaukee because of the momentum that the Bucks had going into the break, obviously with the way they played all year, um, but also having some guys who are key guys in their rotation who are older guys. And older guys typically take a little bit longer to work their way back into shape. And I thought with Milwaukee's rotation that that might be a bit of an issue. Have you seen any of that? Do you think that in general, beyond just this matchup, and then I want to get into Milwaukee's offense against Miami's defense. Um, do do you, Have you seen any of that slippage where – kind of Milwaukee was heads and tails above everybody else coming into the bubble, you know, Toronto somewhere there, but not really particularly close and that now it's flattened out quite a bit.
6: You know, I was worried about like basically the same thing. What's funny is they came back and they looked really great in the the scrimmage games and then pretty bad in the seating games, which I mean, we can, obviously the scrimmage games, like the least serious, but still like the team was rolling. And I think fortunately for the bucks, they're older players, whether it's George Hill, Kyle Korver, I mean, these are, like, the kind of guys who are going to play a long time, both because they're good and because they're, like, extremely professional players who take tremendous care of their bodies, especially Corver, who's, like, a an, an, an maniac in, in the off-seasons. Um, so, I, I think, really, their issue, um, and I think we can all agree, if you've watched much Milwaukee over the past few weeks, they haven't looked the same. I don't know if it was the layoff as much. I mean, they actually were kind of banged up, kind of, I think they lost, like, two or three in a row. And and three of four, something like that, before the break happened. I think a lot of it was injuries and, and guys being banged up. They barely played anyone in their last game, I think, against Denver. Um, but I think it's more so some of these other teams, like Orlando, uh, Toronto is an example. Some of these teams tried a lot harder in, this, in the seeding games. I keep getting seeding and scrimmage mixed up. But in the seeding games, and not to say, like, Milwaukee didn't want to win, but they were playing everybody even more so than they did against Orlando. Um, they were not playing anybody big minutes like no one was getting 38 minutes. And I think they kind of wanted to ramp it up the last week. But if you remember the Monday game against Toronto, I think that would have been the game where they really play starters and play real rotations. Giannis is a late scratch due to oral surgery, which was like a, a root canal or a crown or something like that, if I recall correctly. Uh, and Wes Matthews ends up pulling his <laughs> a hamstring like two minutes into the game because it was like on a wet floor, which I still don't know why they were allowed to play that game. But I digress. So And then West doesn't play again for the rest of the seeding games. And then Giannis gets ejected like 10 minutes into the next seeding game for headbutting Mo Wagner. So, you know, Milwaukee might've wanted to ramp up a little bit more than they did, although they didn't come in with a very, you know, serious attitude. They needed one game to go their way out of their eight games and Toronto's eight games. I mean, their magic number for the first seed was one. So there was really no urgency. And I think some of these other teams came in and really went full steam ahead with, you know, they, they didn't have a ton to play for down the line or they knew they needed to get it together quickly. Milwaukee did not. And I think the same thing is like, the Lakers and, to a lesser extent, the Clippers, some of these teams that maybe took it a little bit too easy and got surprised early. Um, So I, I think the farther we go, the closer Milwaukee will look to the team it was before. I don't think that the layoff is going to be especially damaging. damaging. Excuse me. I think it's more – they just took a while to get really back into game shape. So maybe that's because they're a bit older. I mean, that might be true as well. Maybe they should have tried to ramp it up earlier, but for whatever reason they didn't and they're here now. And I think they're closer to it now, definitely than they were game one uh, against the magic.
7: Uh, Ty, as we start to you know, pivot to talking about Uh, the Miami Heat defense, which, you know, has not been the most consistent side of the floor for them. But from an individual matchup perspective, I feel like that there are things in this series that, uh, that many have pointed to as plus matchups uh, or or potentially plus matchups um, for them. Like Giannis is never a plus matchup, but if you ever had someone that could guard him, I feel like Bam is probably that, um, that prototype. I'm interested more in to hear your perspective on uh, the Chris Middleton potentially Jimmy Butler pairing uh, particularly because I feel like Middleton has more to lose and and quite frankly more to gain so um, than anyone in this postseason you know as the number two option behind Giannis as they're trying to make sure that they can kind of uh, cement him staying there I feel like there's a lot on the line for him how do you think he's going to approach a matchup uh, with Jimmy Butler you know throughout this series
6: I think you nailed it by saying Greg that he has the most to gain or the most to lose. Um like Chris I and I, I hate saying this cuz it's like and it's just it's so much pressure on him but I really do think like the Bucks either going out in the second or in the third round or winning a title. Like I really think it's going to hinge on Chris Middleton. I think everything we've seen all season and in the first round has cemented that. I, I think I mean obviously they were going to beat Orlando either way, but Um, his performances, I I think everybody else, all the other role players have done pretty much what you'd expect them to do pretty much what you need them to do on a night in night out basis. Giannis is always going to be Giannis. I mean, the guy is like, he has the quietest, like 35, 15 and eight games of all time. Like he'll check out. Now, what does he he have? Like
7: in 25 minutes too it's ridiculous
6: it's like what what do you have like what does he have 15 points right now you look down oh he's got 28 and he's shooting 80 percent. what um unreal unreal talent i really hope every bucks fan is appreciating every single game there's so much pressure but just appreciate this folks who knows how long it'll last but my goodness he's he's tremendous but um back to chris middleton the thing with chris and i don't mean to diminish jimmy butler here who i think I rave about Jimmy Butler all the time. I love Jimmy Butler. Would have loved him on the Bucks. Really wish there was a way that could have happened, especially without losing Chris Middleton. Um, but I honestly think the matchup is going to be more about what Chris is doing than what Jimmy Butler is doing. I think Jimmy Butler's what he's going to do best against Chris is when Chris is trying to dribble, to drive, to dribble, drive, and, and penetrate that way. Chris is a very good passer and he's a very good scorer. Probably the worst part of his offensive game is actually his dribbling. He doesn't have the tightest handle it's usually enough to get done what needs to get done, especially if Giannis is screening for him, which is something the Bucs have turned to more, thankfully, because it's like just a tremendous play considering Chris is such a good three-level scorer, especially as a pull-up shooter. But So I think Jimmy can find a lot of success there attacking Chris's dribble. That's going to be a really important thing for, for Middleton to, to do well in this series. But like his fadeaways, his pull-up threes that he gets all the time, his catch-and-shoot threes, that kind of stuff, a lot of that, I think, is just going to be on Chris himself. Like, there's only so much you can do to guard the guy. He can, he can fade away from just about anybody. He can pull up over just about anybody. There's only so much you can do against the guy who can knock down shots like that. He just needs to do it. And for a lot of the first round, he didn't. For some of the seeding games, he didn't either. For most of them, I should say, except for, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. The last two games against Orlando were a little bit better. He's going to have to play to his usual standard. I think to beat the Heat, He's going to have to be just about where he was in the regular season, which is an all NBA caliber player. And certainly to go farther, he's going to have to be that guy too. So again, not to diminish Jimmy here. I think there's Jimmy is going to play an important role. Of course, some of it's just going to come down to can Chris execute or not? Like, I don't think a guy with his skills, you can completely take his shots away, take his game away. I think he also is kind of culpable if he doesn't show up. So it's going to be fascinating to watch. And honestly, a little stressful to watch how he does in this series against this team in Miami who, if it's not Jimmy Butler, you could have Jay Crowder, Andre Iguodala, you know, they have a lot of very capable defenders to throw at him.
3: So Ty, I want to follow on this because you've given us a little bit of an opening and I don't uh, want to get away from the X's and O's stuff. Cause I think Alex is going to jump back in there in a second, but you know, you said it for as long as this is going to last. And, and then we start talking about Chris Middleton and, you know, kind of my theory on this for the past few months has been that, Giannis in a lot of ways is is LeBron Cleveland part 1 uh you know 2.0 if that makes any sense. So it, that what I kind of see happening in Milwaukee is a lot of what happened in Cleveland uh you know from 2003 to 2010 where there was a build behind a huge star put good players around him they won a lot of regular season games uh but they never got a second best player who was good enough to kind of be that Robin, you know, with LeBron. I mean, they had Mo Williams, Igalskis, an old Shaq, <laughs> Antoine Jameson, and and then in in Milwaukee, I, I see some of the same. And I know I know that's not fair to Chris Middleton to say he's you know basically swingman Mo Williams, but is is he good enough, Uh, but but is he good enough to win? I mean, when it matters, because there's been a lot of players like Chris Middleton in Miami, Eddie Jones, Jamal Mashburn, really good players. But when push came to shove in the playoffs, it just wasn't there as, you know, as the Scottie Pippen type, or as, as the second type you need to win really big. Can he be that? And, and am I going too far to say, if he can't, that's the thing that ends up driving Giannis out of Milwaukee.
6: Uh, I think he's much better than Mo Williams ever was first off. Um, no, I, I think it's not a, it's not an uncommon take, right? I think Giannis not having enough help is, I think it, it's a, it depends where you're at on Chris, really. I think everyone has a good idea of where Brooke Lopez is at this point. Everyone knows what Bledsoe is and, and what Bledsoe is in the postseason. Everybody else here, every, everyone knows. Um, I think Chris is the one where people are more divided on. Is he, a true guy who can be the second guy in a title team, or is he the guy who's not going to show up on the, in the playoffs except against? He always destroys Boston for whatever reason. If, if they if they played Boston four rounds in a row, Chris would put up 40 a game. I don't know why or how they can translate that over to other teams. Hopefully, they figure it out. But and and honestly, I I think he is good enough. And obviously, I'm you know the Bucks guy, of course I do. But truly, I've I've thought this about Chris for years now that he could be a player. Probably, maybe not this good. He's During the regular season, he was a little better than even I expected, but he just has almost everything in his game except for that flashy handle that everybody loves. But even without it, I mean, his pull-ups, it, just with a little bit of space, he can hit shots over anybody. Uh, a catch and shoot, he can he can hit it right in your face. He can post up pretty much anybody his size or smaller, and he's pretty automatic fading away on the baseline. He's just a tremendous scorer with a lot in his bag, and he's gotten a lot better – at driving and finishing and all that, too. It, like, logically, he should be able to do this in the postseason. But what I've begun saying, and this one is actually more to Bucks fans than anybody else, who, of course, the Bucs fans will plot his numbers all year and show you his per 36 with and without Giannis. He scores more without Giannis per 36. He's carrying the load. Yada, yada, he is that guy. But what I say to them now is he's got to do it in the playoffs, unfair or not. Like, that's what people need to see to buy it. You know, he can put up all the great numbers. He can, I think he's going to be third team all NBA this year. It looks like, I, I think he probably should have been second. I digress. doesn't matter that much. You know, he can do all that in the regular season. People will only care to a certain extent, right? Like especially the people like, like yourself who wonder if he's that guy or maybe doubt if he's that guy, he's got to do it on this level. So far this postseason he hasn't, it's very troubling. It could well be the thing that ends up with Giannis wearing a different Jersey in two years. Hopefully, a full two years. I think it would be, Um, or one year from now. Whatever, how many? A year and a half. Whatever. Time's all messed up with with the pandemic. But (laughs) um, (laughs) time doesn't exist anymore. It truly doesn't. I have. I. It's it's a fake construct now. But um, it it could be. And I've said like, if he doesn't show up, this whole run and they get super out coached. I think the Bucks should make some absolutely dramatic changes before next season. If if Giannis says he will hang around for that long, which again, I think he would. I don't think he's a trade me now kind of guy. I think you make dramatic changes and try to find someone who can be that guy, um, just because you, you they just don't have time anymore. They really just truly do well, not have any to time. That to
3: that end, what, what can okay? So so let's again carry this a little little more forward. If if you win the championship this year uh, as the Milwaukee Bucks, I and I think it's pretty fair to say Giannis is going to stay there, uh um, yep. as, as long as he can. But if they don't, um, and again, if we mentioned if Chris Middleton is not you know, that guy. Um, and then they got one more year to pull this off. And it's going to be the biggest story of the whole year because the, the pending superstar free agent, always, that story do- always dwarfs every other story. It did with LeBron in 2010. It did with Durant in 16. It's, it's all anybody talks about. And so this is going to be the whole year <laughs> of Giannis getting asked in every arena, is he staying, is he going? And, and I guess my question, was, what could Milwaukee do? Because that's the problem that Cleveland ran up against that, okay, we got, we got to, we got to clear the decks. So we'll fire the coach. Uh, you know, I, well, I, they kept Mike Brown. They fired Silas. They kept Mike Brown around for a long time, but then it was, okay, we, we tried to get Stoudemire. That didn't work. We tried to get Bosch. Well, he didn't want to join LeBron. Um, we, you know, then we've got uh, Antoine Jamison. We added him. Well, he was kind of old. He wasn't the same kind of player. What could Milwaukee feasibly do to get a, a second best player who was better than Chris Middleton? So make, maybe Chris Middleton could be your third which is probably on a championship team where he belongs.
6: We'll see. We'll see on that very last point. Um, I I think you just really go into seeing what, what, what you can get for your stuff. I mean, they have a few draft picks to trade, whether it's the one first and two seconds from Indiana, or I think they can trade. I think after this draft, they'll be able to trade two of their future first one or two, I think two, if you go pretty far down the line. So I think at that point, you pretty much put every chip besides Giannis on the table And look around the league and try to aggressively pursue a guy, whether it's, you know, Bradley Beal, who I don't know if they could get him. I I think, I don't think Washington wants to get rid of him in the first place, which a lot of people seem to ignore when talking about Bradley Beal trades. Um, And of course, other teams would have a lot of stuff too, but I I don't know exactly right now, you know, we never really know far out who's going to be available, who's not, but you pretty much just, I think a player like that and maybe not that good, but a guy who is an easy perimeter scoring fit with Giannis. I think that's what you could do. And I think you probably, if, you know, worst case scenario, they lose in the next two rounds and just look awful doing it. Like they don't get outplayed. They just look inept. I think ideally what you do then is you figure out a coach who, and no offense to Mike Budenholzer, I think is a good coach. You want someone who's just going to like spam Giannis and the second best player over and over and over. And maybe, maybe you can't find that trade and maybe you run 20 Chris Giannis pick and rolls and just get really, really good at that for your, for your last time, you know, through, hopefully not the last time through, but for the last year of Giannis's contract for now through and see if it works better than, you know, their kind of garbled offense at at times, which nice segue back to this series and offense, because I'm just getting downright depressed talking about these Giannis leaving scenarios. But to answer the question, I don't know exactly who they would pursue. It's pretty much whoever would be available, who would be a smart perimeter fit, which I don't know how many guys like that you would say are better than Chris Middleton, but I guess we would have to see at that point.
5: Hey, so I also wanted to ask here, and now getting back to the X's and O's stuff, uh, basically, I think we saw a lot of this last year on how to guard Giannis and how to guard the Bucs, and what are you prioritizing? What types of shots are you letting the Bucs take? And we saw this with the Raptors, where I think uh, they just had you know, one of the best defensive rosters we've ever seen especially for the modern era and they really closed the gaps for Giannis on attacking the basket and they let guys shoot and the Raptors defensive scheme was already doing that but they kind of doubled down on that And I think we're going to see a lot of similar stuff from the Heat they obviously don't have the same personnel they have a lot more guys who are negatives than the Raptors did but they also after now you know with the the roster they have post trade deadline have and definitely enough bodies to throw at Giannis and to kind of replicate a similar defense. You Obviously, you, you don't want Hero or Dragic or Duncan Robinson uh, in there too much, but at the end of the day, they're going to have somebody guarding him one-on-one and two guys coming in from the sides to kind of make sure that he can't go left or right. And I think that's kind of something that they're going to replicate with Andre, with Jay, with Bam. We're going to see Jay starting on him, I think, from the start to keep uh, Bam out of foul trouble. And I wanted to hear what you think about that and how well do you think the Heat can kind of replicate that defensive scheme that that uh helped stop the the Bucks last season. that ended up kind of just favoring the Raptors' three point shooting over the Bucks' lack of three point shooting at that point.
6: Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how far Miami goes in terms of defending Giannis versus playing their mo- their best and most versatile offensive players. The most interesting thing to me about Miami this year has been like Jay Crowder and Andre Iguodala suddenly deciding they're like elite three-point shooters, which is not something they had been before. And I think if, if those things don't hold up, if, if they don't, and I know Crowder did not have a great first round and ends up really falling off a bit in the rotation, despite still starting. If those guys aren't hitting threes, obviously you're giving up some offense for defense, which maybe they have to do on Giannis. We'll see. Um, but the, those two particular, those two players shot making, I think is going to be really important in this series and, and really, really interesting But to your point of defending Giannis, it's I I think what people miss in the Raptors scheme, and especially and, and you you pointed out they'll probably start with Crowder on him and have Bam help more, which this this they're not missing it here. But like just putting Bam on Giannis, if you if you're like Bam and five out is their lineup on the court, like Mark Gasol was crucial in defending Giannis, one of those great Raptors defenders you mentioned. But he wasn't the primary, of course. He was, you know, guarding Brook Lopez or ignoring Brook Lopez or whatever you want to say and, and helping so, so brilliantly. Because I mean, former defensive player of the year behind Kawhi Leonard, who ultimately him being switched on Giannis kind of swung the series. And then, mm-hmm. you know, Siakam is floating around too for some possessions. And then you have guys like Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry um, coming coming down to, to hedge and, and bother Giannis and all that. So despite the Heat having these great forwards, if and when they go to Bam on Giannis, I think it will hurt that they don't have, you know, another, like a defensive anchor center position to go behind. The guy on the back line?
3: Yeah, I I, I think it's... This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea.
1: If you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American dash dot com slash Mike to get twenty percent off your first order. That's American dash dot com slash Mike.
6: Great that you know sometimes that'll be Bam, that's great, but when Bam is on him, uh, you know, actually taking the cover himself, you know, having the forwards help is great. I just don't know if it'll be enough, especially because I imagine. I don't think they're just going to line him up like a center and just keep him right by the rim. I, I don't know. I guess we'll see. And I think the bucks going to more Giannis at the center is kind of a reaction to like, if Brooke Lopez gets cold and, and you want five shooters or just wanting four better four shooters, excuse me, um, or just wanting four better shooters than Brooke Lopez, who was pretty streaky from deep. I think that's part of the thinking there is if you go that five, out wide, uh, four out and Giannis lineup, I guess um, there's just like, theoretically the Bucks make you pay more if you do leave somebody alone to put them under the rim. And, and the trade-off of putting Jay Crowder there as opposed to Mark Gasol, maybe it's not worth leaving the perimeter players alone. These are the questions Miami is going to have to answer if the Bucks put them in that position, which I think they will. Um, so then it comes down to Giannis making the right reads, which I think he's gotten a lot better at this year. I mean, you watched the, the Eastern Conference Finals, which I did during, during the pause, which was pretty brutal. Um, you know, he'd have three guys around him and still trying to score. And it's just not a great idea, even for a guy as good as Giannis. I think this year he's gotten a lot better, a lot smarter at passing out. He's going to need to keep doing that. Even if shots aren't falling, he's going to, I mean, he's going to have to take some shots, of course, but he's going to have to continue to play make. That's going to be huge. And the guys are going to have to hit shots, which also will be huge. So it's going to be interesting. It's, It's a lot of pressure on Giannis who really just needs to be a very smart decision maker in addition to everything else that he already is. But he's certainly going to put pressure on the Heat. And when they do go to BAM on him, I do wonder about the utility of those help defenders if they're not, you know, that, that big man who's, who's providing the backup.
7: It's a really interesting point. You know, you, you talk about um, matchups and, and and making the right reads. It took Nate McMillan four or games to figure out that they should be hunting out Goran Dragic um, and going at him from a uh, an offensive perspective. So uh, I'm I'm interested to hear uh, your your take on how much they may put the ball in Eric Bledsoe's hands and attack Goran Dragic and kind of hunt out that matchup.
6: I think I don't know if they'll pointedly do it. We've Bud has been very off and on this season about exploiting matchups and. I know the Bledsoe is the one you asked, but what fascinates me about this series is when Milwaukee is playing Giannis at the four and Brooke Lopez at the five, if Miami in those lineups at all is playing Bam without Kelly Olynyk or Myers Leonard. Is Myers Leonard hurt? He's not hurt, is he? No. Okay. I I,
7: I feel yeah, like no, he, just, he just he fell out of the rotation okay. they decided to go smaller with Jay Crowder and size down a bit with Bam and basically only play one big, so he's not playing, but he's he's completely healthy.
6: Okay. Okay, that was a, I, I thought I remember him being hurt, but then I thought he got better, then he wasn't playing. I was confused. Okay, thank you yep. both for clearing that up. Um but if they play with Bam without another big, which they have been doing more, um, and Brooke Lopez is out there and Bam's defending Giannis, if somebody like Andre Iguodala or Jay Crowder is on Brooke Lopez. It'll be fascinating to me to see what the Bucs do with that. Because I think even though both of those guys are strong, smart defenders, Brooke Lopez is like an otherworldly post-scorer. They've gone to him more. So we might see some of that. But Bledsoe, I think definitely we're going to see some of Bledsoe working against Dragic in particular. Basically, his role in the offense a lot of the times is like, if Giannis is having a breather possession or not on the floor – You know, maybe Bledsoe just go out there and try to create something, really get to the rim. Um, And he's been comfortable getting both getting to the rim, which he's always been good at. And lately, he's got a really nice step-back elbow jumper that he's been working on off of those drives to the rim. That, for whatever reason, that's a jump shot. He's pretty good at hitting. And his his threes are off and on. He gets three happy sometimes. If he takes more than two pull-up threes in a quarter, I don't really like it, so – I'm hoping to not see a ton of that because he's just not a great shooter. But he will take them, which maybe keeps the defenses honest. But I, I think we'll definitely see him, him working against Dragic. Maybe it's not a part of the game plan specifically for this team as much as it is kind of like, a, you know, the Bucks kind of wait till teams forget about Bledsoe, and then they'll move the ball over to him. Defenses are so set and looking at Chris and Giannis, oftentimes he ends up with more space to operate in, and then it, life just becomes a lot easier for Eric Bledsoe, which I think is – a smart thing to do with a player who's had the ups and downs he's had. So um, I I definitely think we'll see some of Bledsoe working against Drogic. I don't know how premeditated it is,
5: but I think we'll see it. I think that's an interesting point that you're making right there because uh, the the pull-up threes is something that's actually been a weakness for the Heat. And obviously, if you're the defense, like you'll take Bledsoe taking open threes, but that might be something to watch for because of the the Heat's defensive scheme. A lot of times giving up those pull-up threes, their weakness all season has been the point of attack ever since Justice Winslow went down. And uh, they obviously traded for guys uh, at the trade deadline to help with defense. But still, uh, the, really the top of the arc there. Bledsoe gets hot from there, could probably win them a game or two. I don't know how, you know, proficient he is from there. But the, the thing with also is that the Heat are – You know, they don't give up a ton of drives, but once they do, their rim protection is not great. So if Bledsoe can get to the rim, uh, that might be another way where he can really be like another – he's their third-best player against the Heat, that would really help the Bucks actually just take this. But what I really wanted to ask about here, which also includes Bledsoe, is some potential cross-matching that might come, I think, from both sides. Like, I think we might see Bledsoe – maybe guarding Duncan Robinson at, at some points. I, I, I think he's somebody who can go chasing around screens better than a Wes Matthews. And I, I think Wes Matthews will do a good job as well. But how do you feel? Like I think we might see Goran just going under picks on Bledsoe. Do you, do you see any potential cross matches there from whichever side? I,
6: I, I agree with you 100% on the Duncan Robinson matchup. I know Wes has gotten that one. Wes Matthews, to me, I, I, I put him on my third team, all uh, fake all-defensive ballot. He's been super, super good. Only Giannis <laughs> has had a bigger impact on the Bucks on-off defensive rating than Wes Matthews this year, and he always picks up the toughest perimeter assignments. But he works better against strength than speed. Like, he works better against guys, which sounds crazy, but he works better against, like, a James Harden, who is fast but mostly very strong, or a LeBron. Like, he can really plant himself in front of those guys Mm-hmm. The quicker guys he has trouble with, like a C.J. McCollum type guy, not as good of a matchup for him. He, he can do it. I mean, there's a clip Nakias Duncan just shared of Wes absolutely hounding um, Robinson around a couple uh, ball screens at the top of the key. He can do it, but I, I do think Bledsoe is much better at doing that. I think that's his whole shtick on defense is he'll just stick to you through however many screens – I think that'd be really smart if they use Bledsoe on Duncan Robinson and literally just said, we will play four on four with everybody else. Just don't leave this guy, no matter what. I, th- I think that would actually be really smart. I think I- I'm really worried about Robinson costing, the- not costing, but winning a game or two for Miami, just because the Bucks do have a tendency to leave shooters. So I-, I hope they glue Bledsoe to him. I would like to see Wes Matthews on Jimmy Butler. I think that's more his speed in terms of guys he defends, but on the other end, you know, they really just don't run that many screens with Eric Bledsoe. He, I, I think his optimal setup on offense, and we see this more, is kind of like if, let's say there's a Chris Giannis action on the strong side, Bledsoe's over on the weak side, and he'll get the ball kicked out to him when the defense is a little preoccupied, and then he'll just kind of operate one-on-one. And that's where, if you have a Goran Dragic on him, I think he could find some success. They don't run a ton through him you know, in terms of pick and rolls, they'll do some. They'll they'll run some. They're just not a crazy pick and roll team in general. But mostly Bledsoe's offensive role when he's not in transition is kind of just like operate against a defense that's a little leveraged for the other stuff the Bucks does. You know, take advantage of, you know, a defender maybe falling asleep on you a little bit and get to the rim, which he's good at, or take that elbow jumper. So I think certainly you'd be smart to go under screens against him. I, I would go under screens against Eric Bledsoe too. I think the Bucs just don't run a ton of pick and roll with him. They just kind of let him operate and do his own thing, which it doesn't sound great, but I think it's probably the best thing you could do for Eric Bledsoe. I think it's better to let him kind of just deal with whatever comes to him than run all these specific plays. I don't think you want to make him such a pronounced focal point.
3: So, Ty, um, you said at the very beginning, and we've gone through a lot of the different – uh, strategic changes that might be made in some of the matchups, the cross-matching and all of that. You said at the very beginning, though, that you, you I did get the impression you think that the Bucks will advance, that although this is a difficult matchup, they will advance. So, again, no home court. Um, clearly, they were a better team than the Heat during the, the regular, regular season. Um, but we have seen the Heat beat the Bucks twice, uh, once without Jimmy. The third time, they, they had uh, maybe their best half of the year in that first half without Butler or Dragic before completely running out of gas in the, in the third, that was the ultimate third quarter for, for heat fans. Um, The one against the bucks in the bubble, but really, I mean, the heat have outplayed the bucks overall this year, the Heat are healthy. Um, You know, I mean, the only injury is this Chris Silva injury, but he wasn't in the rotation. So what gives you the confidence that, that Milwaukee wins this series? I think and
6: I don't I'm I'm really I'm against waving my hand at the Bucks flaws or excusing them all away. I I don't want to do that. Just a little bit of context against so those. I just I don't think the Heat has seen Milwaukee's best basketball for four straight quarters all year. I just don't. I think the Bucs were just not good in their first four games for whatever reason. They had the the Heat game where they looked good and then blew it, they looked terrible against the Rockets and then came back to one in opening night. Those first four games something was just a little off. The game they got trounced in Miami, I believe they got to South Beach the day before the game, which means they spent the night before the game in South Beach. I think that's probably the most potent home court advantage in the league, probably up there with L.A. Um, for a lot of reasons, uh, pertaining to the nightlife. And then the bubble game was just kind of a mess for both teams, like you pointed out. So I, just, I don't think the, the Heat have gotten the Bucks' best game. It kind of reminds me, I think the Bucs played Toronto very well in the regular season. Last year, and then obviously went up two zero and, and lost four straight. I just I don't think those matchups are entirely indicative of what's going to happen in the in the playoff matchups for for a few different reasons. But I do think Milwaukee will have its hands full. I really think this game it's going to come down a lot to the Bucks' defense. I think because Miami's defense is so good. I mean, Giannis does convert thirteen of thirteen within the arc looks against Bam Adebayo in the bubble game. As you said, Miami not at full strength, um, but I, I think no one is stopping Giannis, but I do think Miami will make it hard on or Milwaukee. The MI teams are killing me on this podcast. I think Miami will make it hard on Milwaukee's half-court offense, even though the Bucks have had a very good half-court offense this year, despite what the inside the NBA crew on TNT will tell you. Um, shots fired, I guess. Not really. It's, they're just funny guys to listen to. But um, I, I think Milwaukee's defense, swallowing up Miami's offense, leading to some transition is going to be huge in this series. And I think that's going to be, a really crucial thing to see how well they can do it slowing down dragic who's been unbelievably good and and butler and adebayo who have so many great uh, you know set pieces they'll go to and and adebayo in general is just terrific the bucks being able to defend those guys i think is going to be really important but you know as to why i think milwaukee can win despite not looking good against the heat mostly I mean, not to be overly simplistic, they have the best player in the series, which always gives you an advantage. I, th- I think you really have to get outplayed in a lot of other aspects if you have a clearly significant the best guy. margin too. Yeah, it's, I think there's three guys who are relatively close after Giannis. I think like Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and Chris Middleton. I think people will have different orders, whatever you want to do, but Giannis is head and shoulders above them. I think that gives you an advantage. I think the Bucks, you know, are deep. They have a lot of good players. Um, so I think really you, you have to get out coached to a pretty hard degree and have a pretty bad matchup to not win. So that's the simplistic explanation. The more nuanced one is just I, I just think M- Milwaukee has not showed Miami its best ball. I don't think it's like a sleight of hand thing. I just think for a lot of reasons, they haven't played that well against them. And I think their best game is just a little bit better than Miami's. I think Miami's a great team. I just don't think they're on that level. So that, that's really what it comes down to.
3: All right, you got 30 seconds or less on this one because we're not going to give you a chance to wiggle out of it either way. In 2021, Giannis Antetokounmpo makes a decision to play for... Milwaukee Bucks. I'm
6: still there. I'm still there. I have been for a while. I've been feeling good about it. Feeling less good now. I mean, the cap is going to be... what? Who knows? That's That's one of the bigger problems that, like... The Supermax might not make sense for him to sign. I won't go into all that at 530 seconds. But I still think the Bucks have proven a lot to him. I think he really enjoys playing there. Um, he's about loyalty. He's about winning. They've, they've done those things. They've done positive uh, actions for both of those things. You know, this playoff run is going to be important. But despite them looking iffy in the bubble, I still think their best ball could win them a championship this year. I still think they're capable of playing it, even if they haven't done it nearly enough for me. So I'm, I'm going to stick with Milwaukee.
3: All right, Ty. We hey, guys, appreciate- do you hear that? That's Pat Riley's music. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know Greg has the guts. All right, Ty. We'll we'll, we'll bring you back in 2021 uh, to to see how that played out. Uh, we'll check in with you during this series. I really appreciate you joining us. Again, follow him at Ty Windish um and uh, and follow his podcast which you guys say it you guys say it's euro it's not gyro it's 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 euro yeah we had d wade in miami it's got to be euro step yeah it's true it's, <laughs> it, although Giannis has taking that to even another level thanks ty really appreciate you doing it
6: yeah guys thanks for having me it was a lot of fun
3: thanks
1: man all
3: right next part of our episode we've got another great sponsor another great local sponsor here on the 5 Reasons Sports Network, and that's U-Brake Wheel Fix. You can find them at ubreakwheelfix.com, or you can find them in North Miami. Give them a phone call at 305-748-0112. Again, it's com. 15 years of experience in wheel repair and refinishing. They do repair of cracked, bent, curved, and damaged wheels. They also do refinishing and powder coating that takes you back to factory specifications. But along with over... 5,000 available custom colors. These are themed wheeled colors after your favorite South Florida sports teams, including, including the Miami heat. So check out those vice colors. Again, it's you break, That's our friend Mark over 0112. eight zero one, one, two, three Oh five, seven, four, eight, zero one, one, two. All right, let's get back to the episode. Thanks again to Ty windish. For joining us um, want to get into some bigger picture stuff here with you guys in the few minutes that we have left. Greg and I talked a lot and then I think Alex you jumped in you know a couple of days ago about where this season was supposed to go at the beginning and where it is and that getting to the second round would be the accomplishment this year. And even people inside the organization believe that you had a really young team. You had a lot of inexperienced guys. You had guys who never done anything, you know, <laughs> on, you know, to, to make themselves top 10 picks in the past that the heat of basically put together this team, they were going to see how it worked. And, and the point that I was going to make in a column, if I'd gotten around writing a column is that pretty much everything in this season has met or exceeded expectations, except, you know, basically a player they traded away, you know, Jimmy Butler, attitude better than anybody expected bam out of bios progress better than anybody expected duncan robinson my god okay Um uh, better than anybody, right better than anybody expected tyler hero you know rookies aren't supposed to contribute better than we expected goran Dragic, could he stay healthy you know would he be a factor by the end of the season much better than we expected okay andrick Nunn. Kendrick Nunn, better than was expected. Myers Leonard's contribution early in the season, better than expected. And even after, you know, what Kelly Olynyk's ups and downs, the fact that he was a major contributor in the bubble, better than you expected. I mean, all of it, right? Everything has gone better. So now we're here in the second round. No home court. That, that advantage is wiped out, okay? You have more momentum than the team you're playing, even though they were the better team in the regular season. No South okay. Beach flu. You're right no, no South beach, but no, no South beach flu, but also no having to go up to Milwaukee, no road trip, no rookies having to play in a hostile environment like that.
5: We should be like writing this down, like pros and cons to see which, like <laughs> but, but, but right. my point, my point which is this, more, the,
3: the playing field has been leveled. You mm-hmm. are here. Like whatever the expectations were in October when Alex, when you and I were up at, you know, Kaiser university. Okay. Training camp, whatever those expectations were, The point is they don't really matter now because you've you've met them. You've exceeded them. It's house money now. So let me ask you this question. Big picture, Greg. If they win this series, how much does it change the trajectory of the program for the Heat, of the plan? I mean, this.
7: This particular series now, I think we should preface this all by saying they, this is all a year ahead of schedule, in my opinion. Um, in terms of just the co- like the leaps that everyone took that you just outlined, yep. like for all that to happen, this is a year ahead of schedule, and that so it's been house money from uh from oh, maybe December on with some of the things we saw early, but ultimately, if they can beat Milwaukee, a number one seed, particularly with the player that they are uh that they covet most that they are targeting most there is no secret about it that they are essentially positioning themselves so that they do not compromise the ability to get in a room with Giannis and to, to win a series against him would be a pretty convincing way to start that um conversation um so I, I think it's it's really big in that respect and also like Essentially, as long as they push Milwaukee in this series, I'm feeling good about everything that happened this year and what transpired. I'm feeling really good about the team going into next season with the flexibility combined with, uh, young players. So there's really nothing other than like a sweep or a bucks and five that would make me walk away with any level of a bitter taste in my mouth. Um, so, so that's kind of where I'm at at this point.
5: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much all the way with you. Uh, F- Bucks and five or, or, or the Bucks sweeping would definitely be a little bit better just because I think we all seriously believe that they can push this team. Maybe we don't all fully believe that, you know, they're going to win. But at the end of the day, I think we would all be kind of put it around, you know, a lot closer to 50-50 than maybe we would have thought earlier in the season now that we kind of have seen the finished forms for the playoff stretch of, of this Heat team. And I think it's kind of like – it's exactly what you said. They're a year ahead of schedule. There, there, there's nothing to worry about here. And – I think they are going to push this team to the brink. I think they're already ahead when it comes to free agents and not just Giannis, just being, like, somewhere that somebody would want to come play for now, maybe even, you know, take a mid-level exception. You never know. But uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, all they've done is help their profile, help their image, and prove themselves that they're really a top-10 team, and now they're one of the eight teams remaining. And we know the Warriors are coming back next season. We know Brooklyn's going to have Kyrie, Katie back. But at the end of the day, the Heat are going to be in that mix. You've you got, you got the city of Miami uh, whenever games do return to the city. Uh, You've got everything else that comes with the, you know, the, the no state tax and all of this. I, I just think they're way ahead right now. All right.
3: And we're, we're not going to get too far ahead without getting to our picks. So right after another word from another of our great local sponsors, the three of us are going to make our predictions. want to introduce you to another of the great new sponsors of the five reasons sports network and it is a sponsor that would be important in any time if you want to have a beautiful workspace but it's especially important now when you need a safe one as well and that's safe cubbies.com, which offers modular office solutions designed to elevate your open office into a modern and safe environment at any budget. You can personalize your workspace with options like whiteboards, magnetic panels, acrylic sheets, and graphic branding. Most of the surfaces are non-porous for easy cleaning and can be removed or replaced within minutes. Now, this is for workplaces. They've got a bunch of different options on their professional series, but also they've got private room solutions, dividers, and sneeze guards, and they have a classroom series as well so if you're involved with the school this is definitely something your school should check out of course if we have school in the fall and that's the point here we are entering a new normal period with COVID-19 safecubbies.com which is locally owned is the place that you want to go the phone number is 754-216-1071 again that's 754-216-1071 or safecubbies.com all right, back on five on the floor. We got three minutes left, which leaves a minute for each of us. Okay, clock runs out after a minute. Alex, you're first. Oh, uh, why this me? Series? Who wins this? Well, that's already three seconds. Who wins this series and by and how many games?
5: All right, man. Since you put me first, Eden Seven. Eden Seven. I think that he can really push him, and I kind of am with you when it comes to that theory that you're talking about. I don't really know that. They, they got worse because of the, the layoff, but I do believe that the, the the playing field has kind of been leveled. I think the Heat have everything you need in order to guard Giannis. I think they have everything you need in order to beat and expose. Not expose because their defense is absolutely great, but the weaknesses there, I think the Heat have everything. And they've got the guys who, who already have the underdog mentality. It feels right, man. It, it feels like this is the arc we're going to, and Giannis is going to lose in the second round The next season we're going to hear all offseason about Giannis and Milwaukee and free agency and all that. And then he Twitter is really going to turn up heat and seven.
3: Greg,
7: I hate to be a broken record, but I'm going heat and seven, which Let's uh, go. was something that I put in a column that will uh, debut probably as you're listening to this on five reasons, where we all kind of gave our predictions. Ultimately, I think that the heat uh, have built a roster for this particular series. I don't know that they did that. Um, it kind of happened inadvertent inadvertently to some degree, but uh, Heat and seven. But truthfully, I will not be disappointed as long as we don't see anything worse than Bucks in six because I am acknowledging that they do have the MVP.
5: And Defensive Player of the Year.
3: Yeah, but the Heat are going to win this series. Um, I like them in six, actually. Um, <laughs> wow. and, I, and, and I feel like, you know, everybody kind of swinging in this direction is a bad omen. Yep. But I, but I, do, I do feel like everything we talked about as the bubble thing was starting – is now playing out you know i mean we can talk about the heat going you know having that rough you know sort of exhibition against memphis and then going three and five and in the seating games and, and so there being some questions there but all of the things i thought were heat advantages have come to the forefront um which was is their coaching their development um the shape that guys they got into when they came back which if you're watching other nba games you'll see that was not the case for some teams um, I, I just think that it's all kind of come together and we've also seen some other good signs, heroes, ball handling, Duncan's feel, overall feel for the game. Um, Jimmy's jumper. Uh, you know, that's, that's defense, the defense, that,
5: man. Their defense not, has really and, and their
3: defense. I, I think the Crowder Iguodala, you know, sp- sort of, especially Igwidala, because I Crowder, we saw this before the break, but Igwadala's contributions have been much more obvious in the bubble and i also think that he's taken we were seeing him take more of a leadership role with the team but then he took it with the league um and i just i just feel like they're i just feel like they're in a good place i mean i wasn't on the jimmy calls today let's go
7: heat in five let's go heat in five baby
3: no i won six because the more every time that we have a heat game on our youtube channel we get 150 more subscribers so for all i care that he can go 777 the rest of the way that's fine um, but I, I like heat and six I, to me, the key to this series, and I did this on a YouTube video. The key to this series is I think the heat are going to make Chris Middleton's life miserable. And if they do that, they will win this series because uh, to me, Dragic versus Bledsoe at worst is a push for the heat, the way Goran's playing. And I just think bam does enough to make it difficult on Giannis. is he's not going to shut him down, but that, that it really comes down to Chris Middleton. And I, I don't, I just don't, I just see so much, And I hate to say it, Eddie Jones and Chris Middleton. And I just, it. It makes it hard for me to believe he's going to rise to
5: a level. When Ethan, Ethan hold on. We need to give you – me and Leif, you were killing us earlier when you basically called – when you were saying you didn't want to disparage Chris Middleton, but you basically called him swingman Mo Williams. That, oh, was, that was great. <laughs> Amazing. Line,
7: line of the
3: bubble playoffs
7: podcast oh so
5: God. far.
3: Oh, my God. Oh, swingman well, Mo. he's swingman. Well, look, Mo paid it, played in Milwaukee. And we can't – look, we can't excuse <laughs> Pat. Pat threw a lot of money at Mo Williams. He didn't get him. But, and Charlie Bell. It, in certain markets, man, unless you draft like Sam Presti drafted where you bring it in Durant, you know, Westbrook and Harden after Durant with top five picks, unless you draft like that, you don't get a player who's better than Chris Middleton to be the second to a superstar. You just don't. And, I, you know, eventually the superstar realizes it. You know, Portland – look, Lillard's got a number two in McCollum who I think is better than Chris Middleton. I, I, I just, I just think – I think it's hard. I think it's wow. hard – in, in those markets to,
5: you to are really to, tough on Chris Middleton, man. I like
3: his game a lot. I like it a lot. This is never going to come on with us. Again. I, I, well, that this. may not happen anyway, because congratulations to Caius on the job with basketball. <laughs> least, but, but I, 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 I feel, I feel at liberty. I like Chris Middleton, just like I liked Eddie Jones and I liked Jamal Mashburn. And I've liked a lot of guys who really were third options being masqueraded wow. as second options
5: that's okay I like that you stick with the take I will say that Middleton I think is better than McCollum because of the size and defense stuff but I I, I don't think it's unfair what you're saying that he just might be a better as a third option it probably would have been best for them to not let Brogdon walk and yes. just not sign Bledsoe but maybe that's hindsight or maybe it was right there in front of him the one thing before we close that we haven't watched out for that I think has to do with Middleton and what you're talking about here is how much but goes to the Middleton Giannis pick and roll. And I wanted to ask Ty about it, but I do think – I wanted to say this before we close because I think it's going to be very, very important for them because that defense we're talking about where they load up on Giannis, that's when Giannis is the ball handler and trying to attack the rim and either get to the rim, get called, or uh, draw to a three-point line. But when Giannis is the screener and roller, I think that's going to change the defense. I think that might make the heat scramble a little bit more, and I think it makes it easier on Chris Middleton who – if the role is there, he's gonna feed Giannis. If not, he's gonna get a jumper, and that's better for him because he's not really an attack the rim guy. And I think that's something that if Bud really becomes a little bit more malleable with, or, or just kind of spams a little bit more often, that's gonna really mess up the Heat. And that's the only reason. That's the main reason I want to say that I took the Bucks. I mean, that I took the Heat over the Bucks because I don't think they're gonna to go to it enough, and I think the the Heat are gonna outshoot them in almost every single game. Because the Heat are going to give up a lot of threes, and I and, and I still feel confident that they're going to be able to outshoot the Bucks, even with that.
3: Well, the, I'll, I'll just say this: I, I covered the the Cleveland Atlanta series in 2015 when the Hawks had four All Stars and a guy in Damari Carroll who was probably their best player the second half of the season. Oh and, wow! And I and I and I and I loved that Atlanta team, and I didn't see Mike <laughs> Budenholzer make a single adjustment in five in four games. As, as as you know, that team was swept out by Cleveland, and and I just to me that left an impression with me, and I just have not seen. I I love Bud as a coach who can get your program to a certain place. I don't think he's the guy to win a title with, and I, I just I'm giving Spolster an an edge in that matchup. I think there will be more adjustments made by the Heat. I agree maybe with you. Maybe he was in the West,
5: right? Wait, I feel like the East now is just stacked with too many damn good creative coaches. up there.
3: Right, exactly. Look, maybe against Vogel, some of, some of the other guys in the West, maybe. Doc. Uh, but against Spolster, against Stevens, and against uh, our friend up in Toronto, um, Nick Nurse you have to make adjustments and i just i don't think he makes enough adjustments so i'm, I'm going with the heat in six you guys go in seven check out five reasons subscribe to the damn youtube channel we want to be at five thousand by the end of this series and we will be have a great night or day or whatever 6 30 game six o'clock live stream post game pod post game stream thank you for listening to the five on the floor
2: on the five reasons sports network